I just want to say thank you for tuning in. Do me a favor, share this out wherever you're at, okay? Because um, tonight's conversation, uh, I think, well, I don't think, I actually know it's going to touch you. There's just no way around it. And if I cry during the show, just so you know, what else is new, right? Uh, It's one of, it's, this is the type of show I like to do because it points to the redemption that we have in Christ in Him alone. And you know what? Let's just be honest. Most people are, are afraid to tell the truth about what's really real. And many years ago, uh, I remember uh, when I was in training to be a therapist, one of the things that I was told was that the relationship is the cure. I remember my clinical supervisor saying that, and they were saying it in, in regards to um, the relationship the person has with you as the therapist, but really, it's a relationship we have with Christ. Mm-hmm. And we need to bring that to the forefront in Christian media, especially. <laughs> because so much, so many times Jesus gets lost in, in, the, in the entertainment, let's put it that way, right? So tonight, uh, Michelle Pilar is our guest, and I have to tell you, I'm going to um, uh, just let you know a couple other things, too, here. Um, it's not my strong suit interview, you know, doing the, this part, but I'm going to read this. Um, she's worked with the Billy Graham Association, performed for royalty. Yeah, that would be Jesus, I'm sure. Um, and lent her voice to the animated hit show, The Simpsons. Which I gotta know about. I haven't. I didn't. I did not know about that. She lives here, really close to me in Tennessee, and also uh, has a husband named Matt. And um, and anyway, so and literally, I just met Michelle. Literally a few minutes ago. <laughs> you know, Michelle, welcome to the show. Glad you're here. Thank you. Now you have to tell me: Are you Stacy or are you Stacy Lynn? I go by Stacy Lynn, but you can call me whatever you prefer. Okay, well, Stacy Lynn, I, I'm so, so happy to meet you. Yeah, you know what I always thought was funny doing the show was that every time I interview a guest for the first time, it's recorded for all history to see. It's like, you know what I mean? So like the first meeting, if every first meeting you ever had was recorded, <laughs> that's what that's what doing a show like this is is like. Even though there there may be, I may have a little bit of familiarity with you because I've read your work and listened to your beautiful music. You have no clue who I am, so not unless you did some research on me, which would be very rare. So, well, you know what? I, I can honestly say I've only been with you for a few minutes, but I already know who you are. Yeah, awesome. It's it's not hard to know who you are um, because you care about people and you care about Jesus and you care about real, real, real stuff. And it doesn't take long to to scope that out. So. That makes us sisters in the Lord, and that makes me excited to talk to you. Cool. Well, that's very nice of you to say. I appreciate that. All right. So we're going to talk about your book, which is really about your life. And I have to tell you something. I generally don't read my guest book. I just don't. (laughs) Because I've done this for a long time. And as you know, usually you get a press kit and all that stuff. But for you, (laughs) I read the book. And I can actually show you, I know I have to do it down here, but look, at the end of every chapter, I took notes and underlined a ton of stuff. And what I can tell you is that um, 
it and I know you already know this because you've already been told this this is one of the most honest books I've ever read from a Christian wow you know so and, that, that begs the question am I am I crazy or am I, <laughs> or am I anointed <laughs> what do you think no I you know you know the velveteen rabbit <laughs> yes yeah I think that's what it is. I think that, you know, I it's, you know, a lot of people don't want to become real, right? They don't want their whiskers rubbed off or anything like that um, because they're afraid that if people get to see all that yucky stuff, then they won't be loved. And yet, if we're willing to do the work, there there's a cost to becoming real. Right. And a lot of people don't want to pay that cost because yeah. it's too painful. Um, so, you know, I don't think you're crazy at all. I think I think you're rare, uh, mm -hmm. which is telling. <laughs> right. I mean, you know, Stacey Lynn, I think you lose enough over enough time and you get tired of losing. Mm -hmm. And you come to a point where you say, Lord, <clears throat> I either have to figure out where the disconnect is here between salvation and redemption, or I'm just going to walk around as a, as a person who has salvation in the Lord, but I'm still limping through life so broken. And I know Jesus, you died for more than that. So you either, you either become tired of it and desperate like I did where you didn't care what it cost. You, you said, I just don't want to lose anymore. And when you get to that point, that's that's right when the Lord can teach you how to be redeemed, how he practices redemption in our broken spirits, in our broken souls, our broken bodies, our broken minds. And that's where I came to in 1985 after I lost so much. I lost my recording career. I, you know, I'd been out with Billy Graham. I was doing 200 concerts a year, you know, three-time Grammy nominee. I'd just been on the Grammys, and then I lost so much because of my brokenness, and I thought, you know, what did I miss here? What have, what, why is this not working for me? It seems to be working for everybody else I know who loves the Lord. Why isn't it working for me? And the Lord was very quick to show me what was amiss and what we were going to do about it. Yeah, that's true. I mean, it's, it's really true. He will, if you want him to, you know, he's, so let me ask you something, because I, I identified with a lot of your book, you know, um, which I know a lot of I know a lot of people have in particular. But um, gosh, there's so much. There's so much. See, this is one of the downfalls to reading the book is that there's so much, and I don't want to give away the book. I want people. Oh, to go ahead, give it away. Well, I mean, you know what I mean. Yeah. So we okay, can dive in. we can dive in. Yeah. Okay, I'll tell you one one chapter. Well, a lot of the chapters I resonated with, but the one about your mom really resonated with me because I was like, oh my gosh, she went through a similar thing I went through with my mom. Totally. So talk about what happened with your mom. Yeah. I mean, you know, we have broken parents and they, <sighs> do, the, they do the best they can. But I grew up in a home without Jesus being anywhere in sight and yet the Lord met me in that home, even when I was a little girl. And what I mean by that is that my mother drank 
and she was a really fun party um, until there was that tipping point where it wasn't fun anymore. And she would grab yardsticks and coat hangers and then come looking for me. Now, my, my sisters, my three older sisters all ran out of the house, but I was too young to run. So I would run up the stairs and hide under my twin bed. And I would hide from my mother. And I can remember hmm. praying under that little twin bed and saying, Lord, you know, don't let me, don't let her find me. I mean, we didn't go to church. I'd never opened the Bible. But when you're that scared, where you can hear your heart pounding in your ears, you just pray. You know to pray. Right. And so I said, Lord, don't let her find me. Don't let her kill me. And and God's peace would cover me like a blanket, Stacey Lynn. I mean, that's the first time I felt the presence of God when I was in my greatest moment of fear. And that's the God we serve. That's who he is. And so my mother, she could look all over that tiny little house and not find me under that bed. And so I, I always said that God made me invisible. And that's when I first started realizing, okay, there is a God and he takes care of me. Now, I didn't always make it under the bed in time. Mm-hmm. But, but when I did, God made me invisible. But then your mom got sick at yes. one point. And... I, first of all, I gotta tell you, you write really good. <laughs> Just, you. you, you really like you. You are so descriptive that you. I mean, you just you paint the picture so well that you're like there. And if you've been with your mother in the hospital, like I had, my mom died of cancer years ago. Um, but um, you know, reading about what was going on with your mom and what happened, it was just it was. I could relate to that. It's very moving. Well, you know, first of all, about the writing thing. I mean, God prepared me to write Untangled 10 years before I, I wrote it. Yeah. Um, in the year 2000, and I just say, I'm saying this only because if you're listening to this right now, so you're someone who's listening to this, and God has put a desire in you, a fire in your belly to do something you've never done. See, I had always been a singer, but I didn't know I could be a writer. And in fact, I wouldn't have thought I could be a writer because I'm dyslexic. So, we, you know, we count ourselves out over and over and over again. Right. Well, I can't do that because, or I shouldn't do that because. So the Lord kind of snuck up on me in that I, I started writing 10 years prior. And like I always say, like Forrest Gump couldn't stop, stop running. I couldn't stop writing. Now, I never thought I'd be a published author. It's really actually hard for a singer to be an author because nobody believes you can write. Right. So you have, ten, you have 10 strikes against you to begin with. Because if when you, they hear that you wrote a book, they say, well, she's a singer. She can't write. So there's all these things that count us out. But when God counts us in, he teaches us how to do it. And God taught me how to write. And I, my tenacity taught me to write. So I wrote for 10 years, and then I began writing Untangled. And I didn't know if I could articulate how God had really walked with me during my kind of my hiatus years, mm-hmm. where I didn't think I'd ever be in ministry again. Like I made so many mistakes in ministry. I thought, well, I'm not worthy of ministry. And that's a whole nother story. Right. But, but, but in any case, I started trying to cinematically describe how God untangled me. And, and I think that's possibly what you felt when you read the book. And I'm, I'm, I'm really thankful for that. Um, mm-hmm. Because I don't like to write, read something that isn't interesting to, to, to read. Right. So, but all that said, you know, my mother got sick. And 
I had been a professional Christian all these years, you know, right, with Billy Graham crusades and, and being on the cover of Today's Christian Woman and all these things. My mother wasn't the least bit interested in knowing about the Jesus that I sang about. Right. And what I, what I discovered at a given point is the thing that was blocking my mother from hearing about Jesus was the fact that I had not yet forgiven her. And so the Lord took me through a process by which he, he taught me the miracle of forgiveness. I could never forgive my mother and my own steam. I mean, there were too many travesties and too many things that happened. But the Lord taught me how to make lists of what hurt and then bathe those lists in the word of God. And then when the time came and the tears had been cried and the, and the regret and the pain and the anger had been uh, vented, alone with the Lord, right? whole process. Then I said, okay, I'm asking for the miracle of forgiveness. It, it, well, you know, once the boil had been lanced and everything had been drained out, then the Lord said, okay, now it's time to forgive. And so I said, well, Lord, I can't do this without you. And, and you know, I think that, mir- that forgiveness is a, is, a, is a choice, but I think more so it's a miracle because it started on the cross when he who knew no sin died for us. And that same miracle can be ours. If, if we, you know, but, but I think it comes in order. I think sometimes we want to throw forgiveness in too soon. I know that sounds weird, but Mm-mm. sometimes we have to go ahead and cry and yeah. look at it all. And then, like I said, I bathed all of that happened with the word of God so that I could replace the hurt with the truth. I needed to replace all the hurt with the truth of God. And that was a process that was very intimate. And it was just like you said at the beginning of the show, that was me and the Lord and nobody else. I mean, I love church. I love groups. I love, but that all happened with me and and God by ourselves. And so once all that happened and I said, okay, Lord, I need the miracle of forgiveness. It happened. Now, I never told my mother all of this. It would have been inappropriate to do Mm -hmm. so. But, But in fact, it would have turned her off if I would have told her I forgave her. Because that sounds self-righteous, right? Right. But instead, I just let the Lord do it. And then the next time I started speaking with my mother about the Lord, she was open to it. And she wanted to hear about this Jesus that I was speaking of. And I know that forgiveness paved the way. So what I think is exciting, it's not so much forgiving someone, but it's what God is going to do through you after you forgive. Amen. That, that's the exciting part. Yeah. Is what is God going to do after? So after I forgave my mother, my mother came to know the Lord, which is a good thing because she died two years later. Right. Okay. I read that. And I got to see that. I got to be a part of that. Not only that, I uh, 21 years ago, I started a 501c3 in her honor to help people in five counties in Middle Tennessee with needs they have. Now, you know, Stacey Lynn, what I have started a 501c3 in honor of my mother had i not forgiven her nope not in a million yeah i mean especially given the background that you share in the book which you know it (laughs) i'm just i am so moved by this because my experience was very similar with my mom you know, <laughs> and it was it was at a point in my recovery where I was like, okay, what do I do? Do I do this or do I not do this? And so I prayed about it and I opted to go and just show up and just be there. And the only thing I said to her, Michelle, was this. I went in and I said to her, I said, you know what, mom, I forgive you. 
The next day, my brother calls me up and he says, you're not going to believe this. Mom just accepted Jesus. Oh, there you go. Now, I prayed for my mom over 20 years. Yeah. So, like I said, you know, when I was reading your story, I'm like, really? Is this like some template from heaven or something? That it people... is a template from heaven. Yes. It's, it's like... It, you know, that's a great way to put it, Stacey Lynn. It is a template from heaven, and it's available to everyone who's listening to our voices. Yeah. You know, forgiveness is the ultimate healing. But we don't talk about it a lot. I don't. Right. I, a lot in the church, we don't. I don't think. And a lot of people think if you forgive, then that means you forget. And it's not true. And it means no. you, a lot of people oh. think if you forgive, you trust. And that's not true either. Well, or if you forgive, it means it was okay. And that's not either... That's not right. true either. So, yeah, I mean, it just it's between you and the Lord. He, he doesn't give us an option. Jesus did not say, you know, forgive if you feel like it. Right. He says, forgive as you have been forgiven. So, and as you, as you judge, you will be judged. And, and that sounds kind of hard-nosed, but I think it's just enough to push us against a wall and save us from ourselves. Because if we're given the choice... We won't forgive and we'll dig our heels in because that's our human nature. And we'll say, you know, it's my right to be mad. It's my right to be angry. It's my right to hold a grudge. This is what happened. But God knows that'll kill us. I mean, God knows that'll sap the life out of us. Right. And we won't get to see the miracle like you did with your mother and like I did with my mother. We both got to see our mothers come to know Jesus. And somehow forgiveness was the thing that cleared the road for that to happen. Yeah. And we got to be a part of it. I know. Now, God could have done anything to save our moms, but he let us be a part of it to teach us something very important. And that is that forgiveness is a miracle. Forgiveness is a healing and forgiveness is a spiritual weapon. Amen. And it's, it's the greatest spiritual weapon. So what does he do? He backs us in a corner and he says, you can do it your way or you can do it my way. And if we'll do it God's way, we'll live in freedom, we'll live in peace, and we'll be thankful. If not, I don't know what we live in, but it's not good. <laughs> I think we need to talk about our parents because parenting impacts who you are. You know, duh. <laughs> yeah, and, and not only impacts who you are. <sighs> makes you who you are in some ways. Well, it also impacts how you look at God the Father. Because... Right. Most of us will only be able to look at Abba the way we looked at our fathers here on earth. We kind of look at it through a filter of what we've known to be a father figure. And so in, in my case, I had no father figure. My father was actually very kind when he came around. The prophecy hardly never came around. Okay, he, he, and, so, and, and so it was very confusing because he told me how much he loved me, but then he was absent. So when people would talk about walk into the throne room and make your request known to God, and, you know, Abba is like a daddy figure, and, and, and Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father, and I and the Father are one. And so there's all these references to Jesus showing us who the Father is, yet when I walked into the throne room of God for decades as a Christian, now this is as a, Christian. you know, a, a Christian, and, and, and one that was a well-known Christian. <laughs> and when, but yet, privately, if I would walk into the throne room of God, I mean, Stacey Lynn, I would walk into the throne room and there would be nobody on the throne. Mm -hmm. It was just, there was nobody sitting there. 
And some people walk into the throne room and see an ogre. Yep. Or they see a, a man with a big fist where you hit him on the head. I mean, all of us see Abba, God, through the filter that we had here on earth. And so that's what I love about Jesus is that, you know, he could have died for us at age five. He could have died for us at age 12. Mm -hmm. Why did he live 30 plus years with all these encounters with people? I truly believe it's because he wanted to show us who the father is. And that was, that was his secondary purpose besides dying for mankind was to show us who God the father is. And so every time we read encounters of what Jesus did with people, we can say, aha, that's who the Father is. And so we, then we can come to the Lord and say, Lord, I know you as Savior. I know you as Holy Spirit. I haven't a clue as to who you are as Abba, my Father. And so, Lord, please show me who you are as my Abba. And I didn't do that until I was in my early 50s. And I tell you what, it's revolutionary because once I took time to sit, you know, once the stuff with my mother was healed and a lot of the stuff from my childhood was healed and God had redeemed that stuff, now it was time to delve into my father issues. <laughs> and, and, and once I did, I have to tell you, yeah. I think you'll never know who you are as a woman until you know who you are to Abba. Because when you know who you are to Abba, you, you stand with your shoulders high, you stand with your head erect, and you know you have a protector, a provider. You know how to say no. You know how to say, I'll serve when it's time to serve, and I'll do it from a place of strength, not a place of you know being a doormat. Right. I mean, Abba gives us all that balance where we can be both strong and be a servant at the same time because we know who our Father is. That's my, that's my, you know, 39 cent view of the whole thing. <laughs> well, you're right. You're, <laughs> you're, you're absolutely right. And, you know, there's a couple of things that you've said that, um, uh, well, the first thing you said was about, about how old Jesus was when he died. When I read that in your book, I was like, yeah, you know, I never thought of it that way. Um, because he could have. And, you know, when you look at the life of Christ through the scripture, he was targeted for death from the very beginning. I mean, from from literally the very beginning. Um, so that was a really good point. It was a great insight. Um, and, you know, I just have to say with my dad, my dad just died a few months ago. Oh, I'm so sorry. And <clears throat> he, he was 92. He wow. was absent just like my dad, your dad was. Um and when I found him seven years ago, give or take, he was mid-80s. My husband and I took him in. He had dementia and Parkinson's. And we took care of him until January when he died. Um, mm. And it, it's interesting because somebody would look at, you know, a life of abandonment, just like my dad did with me, and look at, well, I can't believe you would take care of him after, <laughs> after all of that, you know. And yet, again, it was one of these situations where it was the right thing to do. He came to Christ very late in life, like in his 60s. Not that that's late, but you know what I'm saying, you know what I mean? Yeah. And, um, and he, you know, served as a deacon in, the, in the, his church, and, and, but he had dementia and Parkinson's. And so, you know, our throwaway culture would say, ah, 
just forget about it. But I'll tell you what, in the last seven years, my dad taught me more about God than I did know than in the previous, you know, 50 years or whatever. Um, and it, and it's, it's fascinating to me because, um, because what you just said about who you are as a woman, you know, you don't know who you really are until your dad tells you who you are and stuff. I mean, I totally saw that transformation in my life because of that. And my dad's, well, aside from I love you, the thing that my dad taught me the most was he told me, he said, when you pray, really pray. And he emphasized that over and over and over again. Um, in fact, when my husband met him in, in Florida, when we went to get him, the night that I went in to check on him before we agreed to bring him back, um, I had opened up the door to his bedroom and he was kneeling on the floor in his depends in his t-shirt praying. He never knew I saw that. Yeah. And I was just like, Lord, <laughs> you're giving me a big child right here to take care of. Um, cause literally that was a big issue. Um, but you know, it, it just, it's amazing to me. And again, so like I said, reading your book, you know, you, you, you said that you could find yourself, your story in the book and it's, it's just, um, and I think it's just so important, you know? you know, I just love when I hear your story. Um, it, it just reminds me over and over again of the grace of God and, how God is so tender to us in those tender places. I mean, for him to give you that time with your earthly father and then to show you so much through that time, I'm sure it was super healing. I'm sure it was, it, you had so much resolve. You would have never, ever had, had that not happened. Nope. And only God can design all that for us, but we're going to have to let go of whatever it is we're hanging on to and say, God, I need help here. I, I need help to sort this out. I need help to connect all the dots so that I can live in peace. And God is is the Redeemer. I mean, he's ready to do that for everybody. You know, you and I aren't special. Um, he, God met us right where we were, and then he, he brought us to a place of resolve. And I got to do the same thing with my father, um, mm -hmm. my earthly father, and also with, with God, my father. So now I feel like, I always say, now I know the Trinity. Mm -hmm. You know, I spent a lot of years knowing two-thirds of the Trinity, but no, I one-third was a mystery to me. And yeah. now I'm, I'm comfortable with, you know, with all, with all three persons of the Trinity of, of God. Yeah. That's, I, call that, I call that just getting grown up in your faith. I mean, <laughs> it just takes time. Well, and, and see, and that brings me to um age so many years ago when i launched this show i asked god to let me interview amy grant to confirm he wanted me to do it because i knew there was no way in hell that that was going to happen <laughs> i love that there wasn't it wasn't going to happen i lived in california didn't know anybody i'm in grad school i'm a therapist why would amy grant want to come on a show no but there was no audience i had no audience right? Yeah. But I go ahead and I put in the, the request. I'm sharing this with you for a reason. So put in the request and well, she came on, right? And one of the first things that I told her was about her song and, you know, and all that stuff. And yeah. And, um, but then the age thing came up because a lot of people wrote her off after she got divorced. 
right? Right. I mean, I have some very critical Christian friends who are, you know, just completely wrote her off because, you know, (laughs) and, and you know what, my heart was always, you know what, I'm gonna give anybody a platform as long as they're nice to me, I'll talk to them, you know, you know, I had books given to me from Zulon Press, which were awfully written, horrible, not edited, they're awful, but I, I want the voice of the voiceless, if you will, to be able to have a voice so that you can be real. Because in the Christian world, it's like if you're not perfect, then we're going to throw you away, right? right? And anyway, I share that because, you know, the age thing, as you get older, people tend to, you know, look down on you, I guess, or, or just say you're not worth it. Or what do you know? Because you're so old. But, you know, Aaron was 83, and Moses was 80 when God commissioned them, right? Wasn't that Colonel Sanders guy? Wasn't he even older than that when he developed KFC? In his 70s. In his 70s, okay. Well, anyway, the point is, is that a lot of people, like when I was told I couldn't have kids, you know, a lot of people told me that, oh, God's made you a spiritual mom. And I thought, are you freaking kidding me? I don't want to be a spiritual mother. I'm only 40 years old. And I was really mad at that point. I mean, I was I was mad, right? Um, I worked through it. <laughs> and now I'm seeing the fruit, the fruit of that. You know, and, and I know that you had some stepkids you had to deal with at, some, at one point. Uh, that was a fun part to read. Um, but I also know that I think that you're, you're also a spiritual mom to a lot of people. Um, out there and at this stage in your life which frankly I think is a better stage and that's basically what Amy told me getting older there's no way she would go back so would you want to go back probably not right no no No, I'm so I'm comfortable in my own skin I'm I'm comfortable with knowing who the Lord is for real Um, for real (laughs) for real He's walked with me where nobody would have walked. I and mean, he's walked with me through, through, through an attempted suicide. He's walked th- with me through uh, an abortion. He's, he's walked, I mean, before I came to know him, three weeks before I came to know him, I had an abortion at, at 17. And it wasn't until I was in my late 40s that he healed me of that. I mean, he unearthed that secret of mine because he knew he wanted to heal it. Mm-hmm. Uh, my child w- was healed the moment he left my body, but I spent decades not healed because I didn't know how to bring that to Jesus. Yeah. And so, I mean, God has just been faithful at who he is. And, and what's interesting about this whole conversation, I love that you say, you know, you interview people no one wants to interview. You know, as you know, I mean, a couple weeks ago, um, I was on the Dr. Phil show. Yes, you were. Now that came about. I can't. Yes, and the role is why you and I are talking right now, probably in all honesty, is because I was on the Dr. Phil show. <laughs> and and he read Untangled and he loved Untangled and he wanted to talk to me about it. Now, what are the chances at me at 65 years old, writing a book, a little book called Untangled and having Dr. Phil read it and want to talk to me about it. But you right. know, the Lord, the Lord uses, um, I truly believe that he waits and does his best work when we, we have been through what we've been through. And so, you know, if you're listening right now and you, you've counted again, you've counted yourself as not, not worth anything because of your age or it's too late or you missed your chance. I mean, that's not how God thinks. That's how we think. 
And so the, the Dr. Phil interview came about, and I can't really go into it, which, which is fine. That's fine. But the Dr. Phil interview came about because of a young reader who read Untangled. Hmm. And we, we weren't really able to delve into that on the Dr. Phil show. But the truth of the matter is, between me and you and your audience, is that a young, troubled reader read my book. And I, I won't go into all that transpired, but it wasn't a pretty picture. And it was very, very difficult, and it was very stressful. And I actually reached out to Dr. Phil to try to help in the situation. Hmm. And I didn't know who else to reach out to because it was very complex, and it was there was a lot of... There was just a lot of complexities there. And so I reached out to him to help, actually to help her. I said, I, I don't need to be involved here. You just need to know what happened to me. And somebody needs to step in and do something about this. And so a month later, I heard from the Dr. Phil show. <clears throat> and, and unfortunately, that whole story imploded. Mm. But what came out of it was that Dr. Phil said, hey, look it. We aren't able to tell this part of the story, but we can talk about Untangled. And we can talk about the fact that Michelle, you know, spent years doing the work that Dr. Phil believes in, obviously. Right. And, 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 and I want people to know how God heals a human being. Now, can you believe that? I get, I get a call from a Dr. Phil producer saying, Dr. Phil wants to talk to you about how God heals a human being. And all of that was created from this, this very pressurized situation where we all, anyway, we all watched each other, we all trusted each other, we all became bonded. And through that bond, I was able to talk to Dr. Phil about a, a bunch of really wonderful stuff that then went out to 3 million people. So, I mean, all that to say, me at 65 years old, writing a little book called Untangled, feeling like a washed up recording artist. You're not. And ended up on, on, on doc, the Dr. Phil show, which has opened up all kinds of opportunities for people to read Untangled and to talk about it. Yeah. So God is not limited by our little box we put him in, is where I'm trying to go here. And I hope you'll edit this down, but, but God is not limited by, you know, this, these little constraints that we put on him. He says, no, 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 I'm going to use this whole different situation to do what I want to do. And so we need to have big prayers because we serve a big God, yeah. not for our glory or sell books or whatever, right. but just to say, Lord, take my little life and all you've done for me and use it to the maximum. And, and if we pray that, that's going to be in accordance to his heart. And we can continue to pray that until he answers it. Um, that's not praying amiss. That's praying according to scripture and according to God's heart yes. for people. And so, you know, it's, it's shocking. I'm still getting over it. I'm still amazed by it. But um, it's really recalibrated how I look at the rest of my life. And to say, Lord, you know, okay, excuse me for, for short-selling what you can do through me. Well, so wrapping this, this nice interview up, um, what would you want people to do besides get your book and your songs and your music, which, you know, have been out for a while, and which I love, by the way. 
He Rolled Nothing. Away the Stone is like one of my favorite. Oh, he rolled away the stone. Uh-huh. Yep. There's nobody left in that hole in the ground. That was a long time ago. Yeah. Um, <laughs> now, what I would want them to do if they got the book is, I first I'd want to thank them for taking time out of their life to read it. Um, in all honesty, in from the bottom of my heart. But what I would pray is that um, that Untangled would be a shot of courage and a shot of freedom. That as I bare my soul uh, and told, I, I did my best to tell the unvarnished truth about what God has done for me. I, I tried not to say it as a, in a pretty Christian way or whatever, but I, I tried to just kind of open myself up from the inside out and my goal in doing that was that the reader would find a way to let god into the inner sanctums of their life that they've never known how to let god into and that through my stories god would get into their story and and that they would find freedom in places they've never had it that would be my hope all right, everybody. Hey, michellepillar.com. Go there. It's it's There's one L in Michelle. Don't mess it up. <laughs> Although you might have both domains for all I know. I don't know. But no, I don't. You don't? Oh, okay. <laughs> just in case. One L, in, one L in Michelle and two in Pilar. That's right. And the book is Untangled, How the, the, the Truth Will Set You Free. You guys, you know, those of you who are in my God Time Together group, um, go get the book. Oh, never mind. Randall put it up there on the screen. And I took that picture myself, just so you know. That's my actual picture. See? You see my carpet and the... (laughs) Yeah. Anyway. So go get that. And um, remember, everybody, I always say this at the end of our show, um, that that one of the the big purpose of here at Bible News Radio is to reach the hearts of people one verse at a time. And Mm. that's what our goal is here. So if you like what we do, you want to support what we do, our um, nonprofit is Heart Tug International. You can go over to our website, BibleNewsRadio.com, support it over there, and uh, we will see you next time. Hope, hope you have a good night. 